Hello and welcome to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Joe, And I'm Hannah. And you can email with your thoughts and questions on live at cicerone.co.uk. So it's December and it's cold and dark in the UK. And to be honest, we can't get around and travel that much. So what we thought might be nice was to have a little look forward into 2022 and look at some of the guidebooks that we've got coming out in the new year. What do you reckon, Joe? Oh, that sounds great. Let's have a look. So in the spring, we've got a couple of long distance walking guidebooks to France. We've got the Cathar Way by Luke and Nelsleet. And we've also got the Brittany Coast Path by Carol Dorgan. Have you been to either of those areas, Joe? Actually, this is one of those times where I can say that I haven't been to either of those areas. Not strictly speaking for for walking. Actually, this is a lie. I have been to both of those areas, but I haven't done either of the trails. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wish I could have said, oh, Joe, I've done both of them twice and backwards. But yeah, I haven't either. But the Cathar Way has been something that we've been waiting for a new edition for quite some time. And the old guidebook to the Cathar Way was really popular, wasn't it? I think it's pretty safe to say that for British walkers, the Cathar Way is a bit of a hidden gem. I think it's quite popular for French walkers. But yeah, us um, Brits and and other Europeans uh, don't seem to know much about it. It's quite cool because it's sort of it's in the foothills of the French Pyrenees. So you're never really getting crazy high and you never have any big alpine passes to climb each day. But it sort of trundles along through the gorgeous Longadoc countryside, uh, visiting these incredible castles with a really fascinating but tragic history as well. Does it go through Carcassonne? Uh, it doesn't, but that's kind of that's one of the places where you, would, where you might fly to. There's a bunch, you've got a bunch of options. You could fly to Toulouse or Carcassonne or Perpignan. But it might be quite a good idea to, yeah, to fly to Carcassonne and check out the, uh, the ancient buildings there and then move around and do the, uh, the Cathar Way, which finishes in, uh, Foix, where there's another, uh, the final of these big Cathar castles and then head back and uh, take the train or fly back to wherever you want to go to. But they are pretty cool castles, uh, to be fair. They're right on the top of rock faces or on the top of mountains with commanding positions. And you can see them from miles and miles and miles away as you approach on your walk. And you can they're the kind of castles you can really sort of picture yourself as a, a Christian heretic. And um, <laughs> imagine that you're defending your castle against Catholics. Um, a different insight into you there, Joe. <laughs> and what about the Brittany Coast Path? Well, Brittany, the highlight of Brittany, I'm sure the walking's lovely, but is the concept of a galette saucisse, so a sausage wrapped in a pancake. I was just thinking, hang on, galette is pancake, and I really like pancake, but I'm vegetarian, and the saucisse bit sounds like a really good way to destroy one of my favourite French snacks. Yes, it's not veggie or vegan friendly, but it takes the place of the hot dog as the fast food snack of choice. But with all that aside, um, I think maybe the way to look at the Brittany Coast Path is um, a bit like the Southwest Coast Path. Quite similar terrain and geography, but with the, with a French flair to it and enjoying all the, the great things that a holiday in France would give you while enjoyably walking along the coastline. And the quite varied uh, views, the, the way it ends up on the, um, is it the Pink Coast or the Rose Coast with granite rocks tumbling into the sea and it turns turns a pink colour at sunset. It looks pretty. Looks like a pretty beautiful place to go. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Yeah, and an easy one to split into short sections as well. So if you've not got that much time, it's pretty easy to just hop over and walk a bit, and maybe even make a long weekend of it. So how long? Yeah, how long would you need for the Cathar Way and the Brittany Coast Path? 
Well, the full Brittany Coast Path is quite a long hike, actually. It's 28 stages, and the Cicerone Guide covers 624 kilometres. So it's really quite a long walk. But like I said, it makes a lot of sense to split up into into sections. Or if you're feeling really, really ambitious, you could take the, uh, they call it the Custom Officer's Path, which travels 2,000 kilometres around that northwest tip of France. That'd be a good challenge for somebody. And it and it starts at Mont Saint Michel. It does, and what what a cool place to start a hike! Yeah, well, I'd love to go there. It just sounds amazing. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks pretty magical. I've just been listening to an audio book about tides, and it's got a, a fascinating chapter about Mont Saint Michel and the tides there, and, oh, yeah. and about how because it was a pilgrim destination, and people just used to get kind of washed away by the tides. They had to be really careful with the when they were walking to Mont Saint Michel and making sure that they, they were being careful of the, the tides. But I, that's all Very I can cool. add. <laughs> so the Brittany Coast Path isn't out until April anyway, and the Cathar Way is out in January. Yeah. Should we have a look at uh, a couple of Dolomites uh, trekking books? Yes, I'm, I'm really excited about these, actually, because for the first time we've split the old guidebook, we've split into two So we've got the AV1 as one guidebook and the AV2 as a separate guidebook. But both of them this time come with the mapping booklets. We've done the mapping booklets for the UK National Trails and they've just been fantastic. They've just been really, really helpful because you can have the book in your rucksack and you can have the map booklet out as you walk. And it saves you quite a lot of money and weight and hassle in buying all the maps that you need because everything that you need is included in this booklet. And it's because it's each page has got the route line in the middle of the page. You've got quite a way off the route as well as included. So if you've got to go somewhere for your accommodation, then there's, you know, a few miles leeway included in the map booklet. So I think for anyone doing the AV1 or the AV2 next year, getting these books is going to really change their experience. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it should be great. Yeah, we've worked in, in partnership with a German slash Austrian map publisher called Compass or Compass. And they specialize in detailed maps for, uh, for hikers, but we've been able to include those maps in these map booklets. So, I mean, one option that people might like is the map booklet's pretty, pretty slim. So it's quite an easy thing to actually quite comfortably have in your trouser pocket while you might have the main guidebook bit in your rucksack tucked out of the way. So yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to be some great books. But they're also two quite different routes. For those that aren't familiar, the the Altavia one's the slightly easier, slightly shorter one. That doesn't mean that it's any less spectacular as it weaves its way through uh, really the really the middle of the Dolomites. Altavia two is a bit longer and 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 really regarded as one of the toughest treks in in Europe. Uh, in fact, it's right up there with things like the GR twenty in terms of the roughness of the trail. When I did it a few years ago, I think we were quite surprised at uh, some of the the terrain. While uh, a lot of the time on these uh, steep sections, you end up having cables to just uh, easily slide your hands along to just make you feel a bit more secure. And like the Altavia one's got quite a few bits like that. On the Altavia too, sometimes they just don't bother with that. So you're kind of left on slightly more exposed terrain. But if you, you know, there's no climbing involved. I think let's, let's be open about that. It's just if you're happy with exposure to a certain level uh, and enjoy a bit of a uh, bit of easy scrambling, uh, then that's a, a fantastic route. 
And, you know, it's funny, I was talking to Gillian, the author of these books, this morning about doing a live event about the Dolomites, because we've had quite a lot of requests for, you know, you need to do something on the Dolomites. And Gillian, I think it's safe to say that she is the queen of the Dolomites. She has written several books on the Dolomites, and she's explored them for years and years and years, and clearly is a pretty brave lady. Um, but she's she's quite nervous about the idea of doing a live event. But then she'll go and do AV2 several times in enough detail to write a guidebook to it. But then she's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, well, Gillian uh, is a is a brave woman. But, I mean, she's, she, yeah, she's such an expert. She's even regarded by the Italian Alpine Club as one of the go-to people on walking and trekking in, in the Dolomites. And for those people that make one visit to the Dolomites, it's completely guaranteed that it won't be your last. It's a really addictive place to to go to. The mountain's just so incredible. And then you have the the joy of generally some fantastic Italian food in the mountain huts that you uh, that you end up staying at. So we're recording this in December, but we will be having a live event with Gillian in the spring about the Dolomites. So if you haven't watched one of those before, you can you can watch them live and you can ask Gillian your questions about the Dolomites. And she she knows pretty much everything that there is to know about the Dolomites. So you can come and ask her your trickiest questions. We could move on to the GR20 off the back of talking about Altavia too. Yeah, that's an, another challenging one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think they, everyone knows that's one of the toughest tracks in Europe. You know, there's some, there's a couple of stages in the middle where you might only cover less than 10 kilometres, maybe even more like five kilometres in, in an entire day, just because it's so rough and rocky underfoot. But yeah, we've done a done a similar thing with the um, Dolomites books in that the new edition of the GR20 is going to have its own map booklet. This time with the French IGN maps, the 1 to 25,000 scale. So again, like you can have that tucked in your pocket during the day and then the main guidebook in your pack and get that out when you're planning or in the evenings in the mountain huts. Yeah, actually, this is a, a good time to mention, um, if anybody has got the older editions of these guidebooks, Cicerone does offer a new for old service. So if you've got the old GR20 that hasn't got the map booklet, and maybe your plans were changed because of the global pandemic or something like that, you can actually swap your old guidebook for the new one at half price. If you're interested in that, if you go to cicerone.co.uk forward slash offers, you can find all the information there. But it's just something we do really to help you have the the most up-to-date version of the guidebook for when you're doing your trips because you don't want to be getting into trouble because you've got a guidebook that's out of date. Well, your your trusty one from the 90s. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So whilst, you know, you might pick something up in a charity shop that's a bargain, there are bits of the GR20, you know, there was a spectacular rockfall uh, a few years ago and the, the entire route changed. So, yeah, we, we always encourage people to get the, the newest book, which is why we do that offer. Definitely. Um, Go take it up. Yes. Okay, so what else have we got next spring? We've got a couple of Welsh books and the Wales Coast Path. I can't quite believe this, but it is actually going to be 10 years old next year. And we've got a new edition of the Wales Coast Path. And I'm, I'm just astonished it's 10 years old. So the, whole, the path was only only devised 10 years ago. Yeah, but I was talking to Paddy yesterday about this and and he was sort of saying because it takes time to to set up, there was probably a couple of years before it was officially invested as a path. But even so, it just seems like time flies. I, I remember working on the first Wales Coast Path guidebook and yeah, time does fly. 
So we've got that. Uh, Paddy's rewalked. Every time he does the Wales Coast Path, he also does Offers Dyke. So he walks the entire perimeter of Wales every time he does that, because why not, in his words? So that's fully updated. And we've also got the new Brecon Beacons book coming, which is another exciting one, I think. Yeah, I think they're both really cool books. The Wales Coast Path, I mean, it doesn't take much to have a think about it, but it's pretty long. It's over 850 miles long. I think it's 870 miles. And you know, if you want to do that in one go, it's going to take you... Well, I think the book puts it in 57 stages, so that's that's nearly two months of walking, that sort of time. I think Paddy tends to shave off a, a few weeks. Yeah, he's probably got it down to a weekend. Yeah, he's quite a brisk, <laughs> quite a brisk walker. But yeah, you've got some amazing scenery on the Welsh coast path. I mean, it goes around Anglesey, Vesseline Peninsula, uh, Pembrokeshire. I mean, we've got multiple guidebooks just for Pembrokeshire, such as the, the beauty of that place. Yeah. And the Gower Peninsula. The Gower, yeah. I think it'd be a really rewarding route to do. And again, like most of us don't have two months that we can just take off our lives, suddenly go and walk around uh, the Welsh coast. But but yeah, you can split that one into sections and piece it all together over a little bit of time. Yeah, I think I think we talk a lot about coastal routes in other countries. And I think people are quite surprised, actually, about how beautiful the UK coastline is. Because there's some just spectacular parts of like the the West Coast in particular. I mean, maybe I'm just biased because I live on the West Coast, but the West Coast of, of Scotland and, and Wales is just breathtakingly beautiful, I think. Yeah, we do have an amazing coastline in the UK. And yeah, it's genuinely, genuinely world class. But there's a few sneaky spots that a lot of people don't know about on the on the eastern side of Britain. There's a guide that we have to a, an area in the far northeast of Scotland that's going to have a, a guidebook coming later next year, but we'll keep that as a, a bit of a secret for now. But that, that'll be a, a hidden gem coastal walk. But I won't tell you too much more about it. We'll keep we'll keep that one under our hats for now. But yeah, I think even though we've largely had to stay in the UK for the past 18 months, two years, uh, there is still more to explore. There's a lifetime's worth, to be fair, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, haven't, you haven't done it all yet. No. <laughs> and then, just so cycling doesn't get left out, we've got, we've actually, we've got some really exciting cycling guidebooks coming. Later in the summer, we've got a couple of real corkers. But earlier on in the spring, we've got the Elba cycle route and we've got the Ruta Via de la Plata so the Ruta Via de la Plata is the name of the cycling route and the walking route is called the Via de la Plata. I do have to keep practicing this because Ruta Via de la Plata just doesn't seem to, to roll off the tongue quite as easily. But that's So that's the cycling one and that's nearly a thousand kilometres through Western Spain. So it goes from Seville to Santiago. And to Gijón, yeah, by road and off-road routes. There's quite a lot of wide cycling audience that might be interested in this guide, actually. If you're interested in cycling Caminos and pilgrim routes, then this is a, a great book. If you like to do that on the roads, then that's an easy thing to do. If you are a bit more of the sort of the sporty side and you enjoy doing long miles and you want a bit of a challenge, the ride from Seville to the north coast at uh, the town of Gijon gives you an amazing, really quiet, not unchallenging in terms of some, some ups and downs, ride on some good tarmac. I think that would make a really good sort of challenge bike ride. That's where they, they made a road, didn't they? And and then they made a bigger road. So actually now the cycle route just takes this really, really quiet, clean tarmac road. 
Yeah, that's right. So there was, um, in the UK, we call it an A-road that went north through that part of Spain. But a few years ago, the government built a motorway that goes not exactly beside it, but it basically diverted all of the traffic that was on that road off onto the motorway. So you get a nice quiet road and some great cycling. But I think one of the uh, the other secrets about this route, so I think it would make a really great gravel bike route. So where you could go from always starting in Seville, but end up in Santiago. And you could take the off-road route, following the signs and all the way markers from the, the Camino to Santiago and have some pretty good gravel riding and have some nice, nice bike packing adventure there. Do you need a gravel bike to do that then? I think uh, a mountain bike would do fine as well, but probably a bit overkill a lot of the time. But I think if you had a road bike, then you'd probably want to stick to the on-road route because the off-road bit, there's some, some rougher surfaces. But it's not, we're really, we're not talking like technical difficulty. It's not that hard. So I think the gravel bikes is the ideal bike for that off-road route. I feel like there is this thing with cyclists where you always need a new bike, just always. Yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah. It's like the addiction that I have with running shoes. But I think the benefit for me is that running shoes are uh, not excessively expensive, whereas it's quite reasonable to convince yourself that you need five different kinds of bikes. And that's uh, a different matter. And what about cycling the Elbe? So th- this is 1,232 kilometres and it's following the Elbe River. Mike Wells, who's written this book, has got a bit of a thing about European rivers, I think it's fair to say. And he's got a few guidebooks following the rivers from south to sea, which he jokes means it's always downhill, which is not completely true. Um, but mostly it's a, a fairly easy, flat, quiet route on proper European cycle tracks. So that sounds charming. I don't know if you need a new type of bike for that, Joe. No, any old bike will do for that one. But yeah, you're, <laughs> you're probably best picking your uh, touring bike for that. If you want to go a bit faster, I'm sure your road bike's absolutely fine. But you, you won't need a gravel bike or a mountain bike. It's not that not that kind of terrain underneath the wheels. But I think this is quite a cool journey. So you start in Czechia or the Czech Republic. You end up going through Prague, which would be a pretty fun place to visit. Dresden, which is beautiful. The outskirts of Berlin, so kind of Magdeburg and those uh, those cities there. Right through Hamburg. So yeah, it's it's not a difficult uh, bike ride at all. If you wanted a challenge, then you'd maybe try to push the number of kilometers you could get done each day. But I think it's probably best to enjoy the net downhill of that ride and not push it too much. Yeah, I guess the benefit of that cycle route is that you get to explore some cities, which, you know, we don't normally uh, do much sort of city visiting in the Cicerone books. But with this, you're not going to be cycling all day doing really, really tough day. So you've got time to have a little bit of a a mooch around the city and have lunch and, and then get back on the bike in the afternoon. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for those of us that don't really like city breaks, but don't actually mind the idea of visiting a city or going to museums or actually engaging with the kind of unique things that each of these places has got to offer. Bike tour is a really good sort of excuse because if you're enjoying yourself in, in the city, then stay another day. If you've had enough, then just get on your bike and leave. No, I think it could work really well with that. Cool. I feel like we've covered quite a lot and actually we've only just touched into May next year. So I think 2022 is going to be a a good year for Cicerone guidebooks. Yeah, definitely. There's There's a lot going on there. Yeah, thanks for taking us through all that, Hannah. Well, I didn't really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that run through anyway of our spring publishing schedule. Thanks for that, Joe. We'd love to know where you're planning to go uh, walking or cycling next year. 
it'd be great to hear from you. Let us know whether you found this podcast interesting or helpful or whether it's given you some new ideas for, for next year's trips. And we hope it helps you daydream your way through through the winter. Let's hope in, in the best ways that it's a, a slightly busier year next year. It'll be good, I'm sure. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. I'd love to know what you think, or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes, or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news, events and guidebooks. Visit cicerone.co.uk for further details. We're going to take a short break for Christmas, but we'll be back in January. In the meantime, please come and join us on our social channels. We're on all the main ones as at Cicerone Press. And we also have a Facebook group, Cicerone Connect, where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.